0: Humans are essentially, uh, we think in linear terms, but technology and evolutionary forces are accelerating always, and we're not really ready for them. And things are speeding up, and they're going to even speed up further. So excited because for the first time, we have the ability to get the machine to understand natural language. Yeah. Okay, then that it can do it reliably for 100%. For everybody's probably played, you and I were talking about ChatGPT and you were saying, rightfully so, AI is not ChatGPT, AI is not ChatGPT. You're absolutely right. There's a lot more to AI and machine learning and there's a lot more to come. But what's excitingly for me from as an engineer and somebody who developed a software, enterprise software and all kinds of other software, The idea of being able to marry the ability of processing natural language Mm -hmm. to traditional software. And that's an idea I've been working on for quite a number of years and I've been waiting for it us to be able to reliably develop a technology that can understand natural language 100% reliably and that's where we are today how humans communicate anyhow like right now you're nodding I'm getting that feedback for example that you're agreeing with where we're going and humans communicate that way up until now the machine could not understand natural language reliably now it can okay so this is where I said bingo for me, because I've been waiting for this. But equip yourself with these tools because they can amplify your talent, they can amplify your abilities in ways you can't imagine.
1: Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trefad, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production.
2: Welcome back, all of you listening to the Events Demystify podcast, your one-stop shop for tangible, technical, and practical planning advice for anyone in the events industry. This podcast is brought to you by Trifan Events, and I am your host, Anka Platon-Trifan. We are still on the same topic of eventful AI, during which we have decided that it's time to demystify how this captivating new world of AI is impacting our industry. Also, what are some of the applications, practical applications? And for that, I get to bring some phenomenal feature guests in. And today's guest is coming all the way from Germany. That's not where he's based in, but right now it just happens to be in Germany. His name is Masood Alibash, a true tech entrepreneur, a dot-com survivor, designer, engineer, and you're definitely going to hear the engineer in him. Entrepreneur who successfully started three tech companies and now is driving a new software paradigm with AI. Masood is currently leading the task of creating. creating the next revolution in human and machine communication at Omadeus, creating multiple software technology startups and building comprehensive operations consisting of production, marketing, sales, support, implementation, and administration, which has given him a true and unique insight into the fundamental challenges and the urgent need for optimal and synchronized communication, especially in tech-producing organizations. With all of that being said, let's dive straight in and welcome Welcome, our guest in. Welcome to the show, Masood. Obviously, I've got troubles with some words, but you know what? I haven't yet started with my beer, as you have, because it's really late, but you are. So help me out, help a girl out, and tell me more about who you are as a person. I mean, electrical engineer, tech entrepreneur, leading revolutions in human-machine communication is all inspiring, but really, what got you started, and how did you get to be the person that you are today? in this field?
0: First of all, thank you very much, Anka, and thank you for putting up with the, reading all that stuff. It was like, I, I was trying to beg uh, you to read just a few sentences. Oh, not a
2: like, a right. but uh, you have to, you have to read the whole thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're very brave, and you, you, you know, I can't read all that. But yeah, well, it's a good question. I got to where I am because when I was a kid, as a child, and I think most children are that way, you have a lot of questions. But Grew up in the 60s, and there was a favorite show on TV at the time that I used to run home from school on Thursday nights to watch on black and white TV. It was called Lost in Space, and it was just a family. It was a famous show at the time. They even made a movie about it. It was a family of humans who get on a flying saucer and then fly to other planets, and they have this robot. And the robot walked around, and I was a very young child at the time. And I was always curious how...
2: I think you know, we childhood- did that. There Pardon? is a remake of that. Yes,
0: yes, yes. I, yeah, I saw. I saw it. there were a couple of there was a movie. I think I, I don't know if they're going to do make, make it C- TV series. But I was just flabbergasted by the fact that humans, because I believed that the, that robot, it was you know I didn't have an idea that there was so a person inside it. But it would be walking around. It was extremely intelligent and it could talk to you and you could talk back. So that kind of really drove me to try to figure out how to make one of those things and you know I grew up later on I I went to the States and played around with my first computer and just got into games and at the time computers were not what you see today they had these old teletypes that would clunk and clink and it would just spit out papers and the way we played games and my first game was Star Trek and my first attempt was to try to change that game to make the characters look more uh, menacing and that was my you know beginning and I just didn't stop until I understood this thing from every Aspect and I'm very excited because what we're seeing today is for the first time. I can't believe that I'm witnessing this. I, I think a lot of people are surprised with all the events that's happening with AI because most experts didn't expect what's happening today. Because humans are essentially uh, we we think in linear terms, but technology and evolutionary forces are accelerating always, and we're not really ready for them. And this things are speeding up, and they're going to even speed up further. So excited because for the first time, we have the ability to get the machine to understand natural language. Yeah. Okay, then it can do it reliably for 100%. Everybody's probably played, you and I were talking about ChatGPT and you were saying, rightfully so, AI is not ChatGPT, AI is not ChatGPT. You're absolutely right. There's a lot more to AI and machine learning, and there's a lot more to come. But what's excitingly for me as an engineer and somebody who developed software, enterprise software, and all kinds of other software... The idea of being able to marry the ability of processing natural language Mm -hmm. to traditional software. And that's an idea I've been working on for quite a number of years and I've been waiting for it us to be able to reliably develop a technology that can understand natural language 100% reliably. And that's where we are today.
2: Let me just say your story, how you started with, you know, wanting to change to put your fingerprint on some of the things that you didn't understand at first. I mean, that's incredible. That's a picture of innovation and determination that I feel like and creativity that it's definitely something to be inspired by. Now, tell us in words that we would understand because not everybody is an engineer. Not everybody understands what that you guys are talking about. Why was that a challenge that you just mentioned? Like, why was it a challenge up until now?
0: Okay, so when we started, traditionally, when the computers were invented, we could do all kinds of interesting things with it. But the way we actually created programs or intelligence, machines have always been intelligent. You know, your calculator is intelligent. I mean, it can add numbers and multiple numbers faster than any other humans. I mean, you know, we don't attribute intelligence to it, but it's intelligent, right? Right. If a person does it, you're going to you flip it.
2: they're back. genius, yeah. Yeah, of
0: course. But yeah. in calculator later, you buy it for 50 cents or they just give it away to nowadays, but there's intelligence there, but that intelligence is programmed. And the way traditionally we build these machines, we sit there, engineers sit there and try to think of all the different possibilities that can happen in a situation. And they foresee that and they try to create some sort of reaction or behavior to that. So that's been the traditional way that we program machines. And that's, there's a lot of intelligence there. We've been able to program machines to play chess. But but it's still
2: relying on the human understanding and human limitation, right? Yeah.
0: You rely on humans in terms of devising the models and then writing the programs. But eventually,
2: variables of all the things that could happen. You
0: rely on that. But once you kind of, it's it's almost like we kind of discover the secret, the essence of, for example, playing chess. You know, you sit there and kind of try to. When we call it engineers as we call it models right but the models are really representations of some sort of secret in the cosmos and you try to figure out how to give or teach that secret to the machine in the way that it understands it, using languages that C or C or Java or whatever. We are teaching it that me back
2: to high school and to college with C because that's what I graduated in.
0: Yeah, good. But so these languages are ways of communicating with the machine and saying, right. Look, the machine, we know I know how you work, I know how your mind works, and if there's something about the world that you don't know. And that's kind of, we call it chess. And here's, I've figured out the essence of that in a way that I can understand it. Other people may have figured it out too in different ways. And we call those models. And you try to kind of teach that model to the machine. The machine basically uses that model. And based on that model, will play chess and it'll beat most humans. Of course, it can't beat all the champions traditionally. But with all that amazing technology we created, and in the past, computers were respected a lot more, but even all the best minds, the best engineers, the best scientists, what we couldn't do, and we kind of observed and said, you know, we can do all these amazing things with these machines, but we can't get it when we show it a picture ask it the following question, is there a cat in this photo or not? That was impossible. We couldn't solve that problem. But yet we looked at little human babies after a few years, they learned from their moms, oh, that's a cat. And then they walk on the street and they see some other big cat that doesn't look like the cat that's at home, but they point out and say, cat. Right. So that intelligence was like we were like scratching our heads as humans, going, you know, how does that happen? How is it that so
2: that's we can't... supervised learning, basically?
0: Well, learn that as that was as history. Yeah. Now, now you're talking about techniques. Now you're talking about the techniques or what we call neural nets, and these are basic tools and techniques in what's called artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. All that is a category of trying to solve the problems that we couldn't solve with traditional machines, with traditional ways of programming the machines and asking the question, how is it that a little baby human can do all this stuff? And with the, the most powerful machines, we can't really do this. We just didn't know how to communicate that to the machine. Mm. Okay? We didn't really know how to create that model. Now, the way we did it, we started looking at human brain and, you know, try to come up with ideas of how the human brain works. And we modeled that and and we tried to simulate that in the '70s, '80s. Actually, all that, all those ideas where they developed, they were developed in the 1960s. But we didn't have enough memory or computational power to do anything meaningful or serious. But fast forward to today, we have a ton of computational power, memory is dirt cheap, and the most important element for training these systems is data, and we have godzillion amount of data available to us now You know it's like 10 years ago we thought we had too much data we didn't know what to do with but now we can't get enough there's an adage today they talk about data is the new oil I'm sure you've heard that and it is so I would advise all your audiences whatever databases they have whatever business they are in especially if they're in event management or event related stuff I'm sure hopefully they've got a ton of data in their traditional databases and contacts and whatnot. hang on to that as much as you've got
2: so that's that, that is the out. new gold the new- new oil,
0: yes. as you yes. mentioned. Oh Well, yeah, however you want to look at it, the data you have is gold. The more you have, the more unrelated, the more sporadic it is to you, the more nonsensical it seems to you, more important it is. It's just nothing. Don't throw anything away. Keep, hang on to all your data because you're going to need it. And maybe one day everybody will aggregate all their data and then be able to train machines or neural nets that would be very useful in this particular business. But fast forward, this is where we are. We finally figured out how to kind of mimic human brain in a sense and mimic would that attribute to his intelligence that is surprising to us it actually even surprised a lot of scientists and researchers that were working on these tools for example this is why a lot of people got scared so quite a number of big scientists resigned from google and for reasons that i mean it's all in the news because they were surprised because they They were expected
2: to evolve as fast
0: that's number one. No, nobody expected it to come so fast uh, because we're human. We think in linear terms. We right. think very step by step. But evolution accelerates. Since the beginning of when hydrogen started comping together, things have been speeding up. We live in kind of the second by second, minute by minute. But evolution goes from a second to a minute, a minute to an hour, and it just it's just that's how it works. That's how it ticks. And things are going to move fast. Things are going to go very fast. So, so now there are
2: some open, opportunities and threats as well looking at this approach as we're looking at you know the speed at which things are moving
0: get educated listen to as many of these podcasts such as yours number one experiment. And I know we talked about ChatGPT, ChatGPT. There's a ton of those what's called large language models, LLMs, with all kinds of other little letters attached to the end of them. But they're all, if they're language models, they deal with languages. And they're very essential in a sense because they made interesting discoveries. And the reason why a lot of people were kind of surprised, even scared, is because some of the stuff that came out of these LLMs were not expected. And that's what they refer to those as emerging properties. For example, ChatGPT he was basically, his mission was read everything that's on the internet. doesn't matter what language it is. Just read it and kind of, in a way, condense it. In a way, that brain is like a... It
2: was fed a lot of information that normally would take a human, like, I don't know how many thousands of years.
0: Yeah. Well, no one human could have basically read that. You know You We're biological entities. We have a lot of qualities and capabilities way beyond. And that's actually a good segue. If you want to get into that, we will get into it because there's a whole big debate about, is this sentient? You know they talk about sentient. Does it have consciousness? And and my answer is a flat no. There's not even a debate. And I'll get, and if you want, I'll open that up. And there's really no one, no one, an expert on this field. But I can give you my reasons for why I think don't even look for sentience inside silicon. Okay, don't bother. But that doesn't mean that there's not intelligence. There's a ton of intelligence. But you know, so, so an ant is intelligent. So I was talking about how they should take advantage of this: is get educated, play with ChatGPT, learn how to experiment with it from writing a letter or getting its suggestions or chatting with it and understanding its limitations. Challenge it, but don't treat it like a human. Don't project your humanity on it. Think of it as a calculator. Okay. A calculator, you enter numbers, you press a function and it spits out a number. This is a word calculator. You enter words and it spits out words. Okay, figure out how you organize those words and how you kind of arrange them that the way it spits out the words that it spits at you is much more useful and meaningful to you. And be careful because these tools, these large language models, they don't always tell you the truth. The term that was coined by the people at Google, at DeepMind and Google, and actually OpenAI gets a lot of credit for ChatGPT, but really the credit goes mostly to Google. first, Yeah, Well, because they're the ones who came up with what's now known as the Transformer paper, they came up with a good twist of how to make these large language models very useful. They didn't quite really focus it on what OpenAI was doing, but OpenAI got it and they kind of ran away with it. And they produced ChatGPT and they got these amazing results. But I was telling you about what's scary is that these large language models ended up having some emerging properties. For example, ChatGPT read everything that was on the internet. And it was supposed to condense all this knowledge. But all of a sudden, it figured out how to translate from one language to another. That was not programmed. It was not expected. Mm. So let's say you're an AI scientist. If this is one emerging property, what other emerging properties are there that you don't know about? Right. (laughs) So that's in itself. Because if we can, as humans, if we're making devices and they start doing things on their own, we usually call that a malfunction.
2: Right. You know? Like if my room decides that it won't just vacuum the living room, but he wants to wander somewhere in a hallway and outside of the house. Right. I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is not where you've been programmed to do. And yeah, not it's your malfunctioning. You it, right? Yeah, you're
0: malfunctioning. But if you see your vacuum going into the kitchen, starting to cut the potatoes and start cooking, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Uh, what's wrong? Could I use it for
2: this? Also, I use it for this?
0: That's right. <laughs> And next time you see your vacuum running around talking to your husband or your boyfriend, you know, oh, flirting, goodness. oh, wait a minute. Yes. Like, what are these emerging properties here, right? So you get the picture. Okay. So hopefully your audience is following I mean, we me.
2: got to paint the whole picture if we're going to go down that route, right? Yeah, well,
0: I mean, but that's literally, that's what it is. And the other part of it was, you know, some of the scientists who, who kind of left Google, one of them actually, was concerned because... They were concern of the weaponization of AI, it's going to come, it's going to happen. You know, it's like, you know, human beings, this is who we are,
2: made. at
0: least the way we've structured our societies, right? And that's very unfortunate. But I personally am very optimistic about everything that's happening about AI. I actually think we should all be optimistic because AI is going to solve a lot of our problems. And it's going to really, at the end of the day, it's going to be leading towards a peaceful coexistence everywhere. Nah, but I won't like get you it said, into
2: it. you know you you started with Star Wars right like when the dark energy increases so does the p- positive right it's like you've got the
0: <laughs> you've well, got you're, the you're on side. the right track. You're on the right track. I
2: mean, so it's like even when the evil goes high, like the destructive properties that we as humans bring to the table because that's who we are, there's always going to be that force that will somewhat balance things out. At least that's my hope because I always... No, no, you're on the right track. It's exactly the right thing, right? Like trying to see the silver lining.
0: It's the nature of the universe. You only grow through struggle. For the first time, all humanity is asking questions. We're all asking questions from the scientists to the layman. We're all asking the same questions. Okay. And we're entering territories where there's really no expert. Okay. There's not an expert on whether the machine is sentient or not. None. Okay. There's no, but there's no expert there. You know, it's like your opinion is just as good as mine or any AI engineer, AI scientist but you know we could kind of try to reason probably or try to rationalize it but it's there's no expertise but going back to the following up what what i was yeah, saying the about, and
2: pretz, yeah yeah
0: so to really for your audience to be aware start experimenting with these tools and have a positive attitude about it and look at them as tools you know they're tools they're just tools and we're now getting some repetition of a lot of stories like you know i don't know you can fake somebody's voice do all kinds of amazing things with mid-journey video generation we've Heard enough stories of these large language models like ChatGPT, but they're great. They're wonderfully useful. But we haven't actually seen the real revolution yet. The big thing hasn't happened yet. Okay, and, and this is what I've been working on. We've been working on. as yeah.
2: That's a great segue because I wanted to touch a little bit about how you came up with this transformative approach that you've taken with AI and software. And how did you come up with the idea for object messaging and intelligent objects? Yeah. And what inspired you to see this as, I guess, a new software paradigm?
0: To explain a par- what a paradigm is, is if you think, for example, when we used to believe that the earth was flat, Right. Okay? we just looked up and it, it was long logical because everywhere we were is flat. And we look up, we were trying to predict the movement of these big things in the sky. You know, you could predict the movement of the sun and the moon if you know what season you're in. And, but you looked up the sky and the stars were a freaking mess. And there were all kinds of scientists trying to come up with all kinds of calculations and being able to predict them. They just move around in these crazy ways. Sometimes they seem logical, but then it just goes nuts. But somebody came up with a paradigm shift and said, let's look, it's not flat. It's actually a ball. And they actually imprisoned him. They, they excommunicated him. Yeah. Uh, his name was Galileo Galilea. And was, I think close to your country. But he said, you know, look, if you think of it as a globe and it's not only it's not flat, it's spinning. And not only it spinning, that thing that you see goes up and down, that big ball of fire, it's going around. it, It's going around. It. So, so this is a paradigm shift. And when you start thinking of the world that way, all the stars make sense. Yeah. <laughs> because now you're what this paradigm this new paradigm is it models the real world in a much more accurate way so you can mm-hmm. track of things where they are right so you don't have to come up with complicated ways of trying to predict the stars so that's a paradigm so are shift.
2: you considered just as crazy as Galileo Galilei was what
0: I'm, wi- I'm, wi- I'm, wait, I'm waiting any minute to get excommunicated
2: I love it. I, I, okay. I,
0: I, I, <laughs> I have been called crazy, by the way. Yes, it is it's part of it's part of what we do. If you're an inventor or if you're a creative inventor, you, you got to accept that, you know, because you come up with a lot of crazy ideas, anyhow, and you try them and they don't work. But fortunately, this crazy idea is getting a lot of validation. I've written two papers on this so far, and the last one was published by our just a few weeks ago, and I gave a talk on this in the Computer Science Computer Engineering conference in Vegas in July, and this. this. This idea won the innovation award of the year,
2: actually. Well, it is a substantial shift in thinking, if you think about it, right?
0: Uh, Absolutely. It's just as crazy as the globe and the flat earth. It's just as nuts, And it is a major revolution in the way we're going to build software. And I tell you what the result of it is going to be, what it's going to look like. Okay. So I'm asking all your audiences, just think about it. We're taking this stuff for granted. We think, you know, we're supposed to do these things. When you turn on your phone, your computer, that's a massive computer. You turn it on and you log in, you, You you know, however you punch your code and get in what do you see you see a bunch of little apps there little icons and like 500 of them right because everybody's promoting theirs now you as a human what do you have to do you have to choose okay you have to do something press go where was it where where was my where was this i want to find a restaurant when, like, so, where did
2: twitter go why is it x now like i can't or, find or, yeah reason. or
0: like i want to go find a restaurant or whatever right
2: yeah okay
0: there will be a day that not too long too far that you look back and go, I can't believe we we're doing this stuff, right? You know what it's supposed to look like. And I was telling you before about the movie Her. Okay, I recommend all your audiences to go watch it. It's about ten year old movie. It's wonderful. It's really, it's very relevant. To and actually, Scarlett Johansson does the voiceover for the voice. I
2: love her. I think I, I know love her. she's wonderful. Her. She's amazing. She has,
0: she has an she's amazing. Like, if I
2: had, had a, you know, like a female crush, it would be her for sure.
0: Okay. Well, you're gonna have a bigger crush because just without you don't see her. You just hear her voice, and she's unbelievably sexy. Just her voice is just like I don't know. It's like she's magic. But the movie is excellent. It's just done so beautifully. But it's basically that's where we need to be. And when you turn on your phone, it should just be black, and you should just pick it up and say, "I'm hungry." Say, well. Anka, I know it's Thursday and it uh, looks like, you know, I think you feel like probably, I, I tell you about I, I I know this great restaurant right around the corner. They serve the best fish that I know you like. Yeah, You like rockfish. So, hey, and they're open for another 15 minutes. I can get you there if you want. Should I make a reservation real quick? Or maybe, you're, you know, you had this lunch earlier today that maybe you're not, you know, maybe like I also, there's a salad bar just two blocks from here. So it's like, okay can you show me
2: that because sometimes you know i'm in the kitchen doing things my hands are busy my phone is i don't know god knows where i have all these devices alexas and google things and all the things and i'm like how come is it so hard right now in our day and age to just speak to a device to give me say okay the example of lunch i only have 25 more grams of carbs left, 15 grams of fat, and I don't know, 45 grams of protein. Can you please give me a recipe with what I have in my fridge to... Fix lunch. Why is this so hard? And
0: all that information is in probably three different apps.
2: Exactly. It isn't. Okay. It so is you've, got,
0: you've got yeah, all
2: those that. like Feed you've with got Paul and MyFree has an yeah,
0: app. It's got some of it. Your email has some of it. Your, I don't know, your my uh, uh, Google has
2: has Map my has, has another. Yeah, yeah, there
0: you go. All the data yeah. is scattered and the applications themselves are not that intelligent. They're just simple algorithms, they can do searches, they can do basic recommendations. Yeah, they do have some little AI in them sometimes because you know what AI is? You can think of AI as applied statistics basically, okay? Uh, So it's like, it's a machine that knows how to apply statistics and, you know,
2: data and comes up with some sense out of all of it.
0: That's right. It it makes probability calculations, right? But it's, you know, that's how our brains work. That's how your eyes, your vision works. But coming back to what we were saying about all this data being scattered, that's what the problem is. Okay. And the problem, if you think of it at an individual level, that I should just pick up my phone and she'd just be black. It's like, if in fact, on her, the movie, her, the screen's black. She's just Mm -hmm. talking. Mm -hmm. And in fact, actually, I would add to that this is probably, I don't remember the movie quite well, the screen shouldn't always be black because it should pop things on the screen and show it to you because there's a value to visual communication and humans pointing at things because it's very quick. You know, instead of me, if the computer puts five pictures on the screen and say, which one? And I just point at the red one. Right. As opposed to saying, I'd like to the red one. That's a lot of words. You know, I just point at the, and then understands it. So I can do a combination of natural language and gesture, which how humans communicate anyhow. Like right now you're nodding. I'm getting that feedback, for example, that you're agreeing with where we're going. And humans communicate that way. The machine can communicate. Up until now, the machine could not understand natural language. Now it can. Okay, so this is where I said, bingo, for me, because I've been waiting for this. This has been lacking, because I've had this idea for, actually, I came up with the idea and wrote the basic idea since in 2017, and you he were was, he was asking me, how did I come up with it? Well, I'm a propeller head. I was always curious as a technologist. I could not breathe completely until I understood how you can get Material like sand, which is silicon basically, and kind of dope it and make up these things they call transistors, stick them together, and then make these machines and it's like program them. And then you can program it to play chess and to print things. So For me, I had to understand all of that. I had to understand the programming, the hardware. That my curiosity drove me to try to understand it. And it took me a long time. a lot of classes and a lot of years. But after that, I started companies and I was curious about humans, how we organize, what we do. I mean, also curious about biology. Actually, in high school, you know, back where I grew up, we actually majored in the field after ninth grade. And I majored in biology and and natural sciences because I was very curious about biology and evolution. So that also was another interest of mine. So I'm kind of inspired by biology. And as an entrepreneur, I'm looking at, you know, it's easy when you start a company by yourself. Yeah, you do a lot of things faster just yeah. from the bedroom, especially back when I started where you just needed a computer and start writing a program and, and then you have a product. And then you get a second person, third person, fourth person.
2: And then a, you need processes it. It. and you need to tell them what to do in d- oh, yeah. yeah. They're all no, yeah, after the, the fifth, the sixth person,
0: everything starts breaking down. You know, you yes. know this. okay. So and you ask yourself why? What why things are breaking down? And you go to 10 or 15, 20. The answer is very simple. Things break down because of communication. Now, that has different layers. Mm-hmm. Communication has different layers. In fact, in the, in the electrical engineering, we have a model for that. We call it the OSI layer. We define all these different layers, but we won't get into that. But they all apply in real world as well. We deal with the communication layer at the system level and machines, but I believe that we can apply it to human level as well. Like, you know, you can misinterpret each other. That's one layer. You Yeah, you
2: know, and we think we communicate. And I'm like, I'm the best communicator ever. But on the other side, they're like, I don't understand what you want. Like, what is it that you want?
0: <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, and we have a lot of, because human communication is extremely complex, you know, we, because we communicate a lot of intricate stuff. So when computers when but finally AI it was able to achieve the understanding of natural language. When you take a human-machine interface, back in my time, anyhow, when, uh, the first lesson is, the question is, your professor asks, what's the best human-machine interface? Natural language. Sorry, we don't have have that. Okay, so now that we don't have that, okay, so here's what we do, right? And in fact, there were revolutions in human machine interface back in the '80s, in the 1980s, mid '80s. There was a major revolution. People take this for granted because you guys all grew up on this nice stuff. In my time, you know, computers would print something and ask you a question. You give it an answer and hit the yep. return, and it would ask and you another
2: MS-DOS? question. MS DOS was that? MS DOS and that. That's, that was the PC you were the prior, prior to that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Prior to that, all the IBM mainframes, you know. and it, I happen to be old enough to have programmed all those. But in the 80s, there was a revolution. It was called the graphical user interface revolution, the GUI for short. And this is what we're using right now. And where instead of those lines coming on the screen, we put these objects that somehow they resembled the real life objects. Some of them don't, but most of them do, like a trash can, a file folder, right? So it became less intimidating and it, was, it had familiarity with normal humans and you could kind of relate to them as a human. So that's a much better machine-human interface. But when that came to existence, all the existing companies that had written programs in the old way, they had to rewrite all their programs for this new platform. Platform. Yeah. That was a major tectonic shift. That was also a paradigm shift. In fact, the way we wrote our programs changed altogether because back then we would just write instructions one at a time. Now we move to what they call event-driven programming, where you stick a little object on the screen and that object is kind of does magical stuff. You know, if you tickle it, it'll laugh. If you bang on its head, it'll cry. But by the way, if you tickle it, that doesn't do anything. If you bang on its head, it doesn't do anything. You, the programmer, has to program that behavior, Mm -hmm. okay? It's just like, so it'll look like a real life thing. And so the file folders the same thing. The trash can, the same thing. That was a major revolution. We went through a major revolution. So that's why everybody is using computers. You know, in the 1970s, the word computer was a kind of a big, heavy-duty word. You know, the, the computers were behind these glass screens that only people that are better than us could go in there and touch them, you know? Not uh, even
2: talking how expensive it was to have such, like, a computer that would take a house-size
0: Yeah. Well, the phone that you just traded, you know, to your audiences that you just kind of said, oh, this doesn't work anymore. I want to give that up for the latest version. That phone is a, probably the equivalent of the memory and the processor would have cost you a couple of million bucks in, in the 60s and 70s. So that's how fast we've come. And we take this stuff for granted as humans, yeah. you know, because we incorporate them in our lives and it's natural to take them for granted. And we use them as tools. So we've gone so far in the evolution of all this and we've really reached an amazing point. And it because, you know, it's like, I tell you, honestly, I thought we'd get here maybe five years from now. Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of other people, a lot of experts are also surprised, but it's great that we're here. It's wonderful. It's really, I'm tickled to death. And I'm just so excited because I've been waiting for this because as an entrepreneur and a CEO, I'm going around this company with, you know, when by the time my last company was like 200 plus people and every time we kind of produce this program out of our you know organization you have production people you have designers developers qa people you have sales people marketing support it's a massive machine it's an organism you can think of it as a biological organism like a beehive. We come together like bees running around doing things together and produce something. But there's so much inefficiencies in there when you're inside and you see it, how inefficient that is. And when you start thinking about it constantly, we are preoccupied with it and you have an engineering mind. Engineers use the first principles. Actually, Elon Musk talks about this all the time because basically you just break things down. You just forget about your assumptions. You just wipe the slate clean and you just break everything to its really basic components and then you put it back together and try to understand how to kind of do it better in a very simple way of explaining what the first principles is. So I broke that whole thing down to try to understand where the problem was and being an engineer and a software engineer, trying to figure out solutions and ask myself, you know, what is So we use all this fancy software like all everybody and everybody does. In banks they do, in manufacturing facilities, every company on the planet, imagine organizations that are thousands and thousands of people. You drive in a Western city, any Western city, and you drive through any Western city, you look up these shiny buildings, 50 floors, 100 floors, full of people, full of educated people, experts, Finance degrees, medical degrees, bachelor's degrees, master's, PhDs, running around, standing behind these computers, filling out these forms on these screens, hitting save, getting on their email, attaching something, shooting an email out, getting on their Slack and Microsoft Teams. I mean, doing
2: it for the stuff.
0: You know, they're, they're looking at all the things that they are interacting, just like the way you yeah. got some of your data in your one app and other data. They're putting some data in one screen. They're putting some data in their email. They're putting some data in their these channels that they've got. So if you think of these systems as the nervous system of this organism okay the data is scattered everywhere and they're extremely inefficient the bigger they are the more inefficiencies there are so i was driven and i was running a company of 200 plus people which is really a good sample because usually even if you're 50000 people you're organizing the groups of 30, 40 people, because humans can't go beyond that. You you organize hierarchically, but the same laws apply. So if you solve the problem for 50 people, you've solved the problem for 200. And if you solve, there are other types of problems, but just inherently that's where it's at. So I started trying to think of how to solve this. And why do we have email? Why did the email show up in these corporations? It showed up because our traditional computer systems took data like age. 57. If there's a field that it wants a number, you cannot do anything else with it. You know, name, Jane, you cannot put a number there, right? But then humans communicate in this beautiful, subtle way of natural language. that carries a lot of information. So email came in to, co- to try to remedy that. But it became, you know, it was supposed to be a panacea. It became a, a Pandora's box, as everybody would attest to, right? Look at it. Today, we're overwhelmed with the email. And I did analysis and I won't get into why. There's you know you analyze it, you come up with a model why email can't scale, why do they so to answer your question, giving you a long answer, this is how kind of this is my journey in trying to understand the problem. And once you fully understand the problem in very abstract ways, the solution somehow presents itself to you. And the way I saw this is I saw an architectural way, an engineering way of merging all these things together. Now, it's interesting because when you merge all this stuff together under one model, it actually optimizes the communication amongst humans, which means that nobody ever receives a message that they don't need, and they will always receive it exactly when they need it. That's the definition of optimization in that setting. That's a very interesting thing, because if you think of your human brain, the human brain is made up of cells and these cells are connected together. When you learn a piece from Beethoven to play on the piano, these connections, that intelligence is not in those cells, it's in those connections that connect the cells. In other words, those cells will exchange information with each other at the right time and to the right cell. So it's optimized. Communication becomes
2: Just the that happens. The firing of something. yeah, exactly.
0: It becomes optimized. No noise, right? That's how you can play Beethoven, or that's how you learn how to detect a cat. So intelligence, in at least the way we've modeled it, is stored in the way the, those links fire. It's in the way those nodes communicate with each other. On step, in tempo, and to the right cells. If you do this with humans in an organization, you will create optimal, maximum collective intelligence out of it. So it's really a very interesting thing. And at the same time, this model that I've created creates that kind of intelligence in these organizations. And when you connect it to AI, it just goes nuts because you need that kind of architecture to be able to insert AI into the organizations. You need that kind of architecture to rewrite your program such that your phone, when you turn it on, it's a black screen. And instead of you fuddling around which app to use, you just say, I'm hungry, dang it. it says, okay, young All right, I know. I know you're in a bad mood. I know that because you you're
2: hungry to- at this I- point. Let's Yeah, I know you've had
0: too many appointments today. I know it's about seven o'clock. I got the best restaurant for you. I'm going to surprise you. Are you with me? Should I just surprise you? And it can do that. We have the technology today to do that. But so far, we haven't had the architectural approach of engineering. Mm. And this is what we discovered. And this is what we've named object messaging and intelligent objects. That's that is truly
2: really fascinating. Also, quite scary. I mean, I feel like there's an element of care I don't know how to explain and put it into words but knowing that a machine could take all that information and turn it into something that is positive the way it's described but what if it's not what if it turns into something that's destructive right so <laughs> we're gonna touch on that but we gotta take a short break for a sponsor ad don't go anywhere get some of the drinks that you've got on the table because I know we've been talking here for a little while but we've got more to cover so, you, so you, go. you need you need that cool, there you go We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere and just taking a short break right now for our sponsor break. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifun Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifun Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to Trifunevents.com. All right, we're back. If you're joining us, we have Masood Alibash, a true tech entrepreneur, a dot-com survivor, designer, engineer, and entrepreneur, which I already said. I mean, you'll be laying down some crazy things, Masood. And for anyone that's been tuning in so far, it's fascinating. And like I said earlier, a little scary. So as we dive into this new way of looking at software, looking at AI, there's obviously a lot of complexities that a lot of us don't understand, yet we are in the middle of this transformation that is happening in front of our eyes. So what are some ways in which we look at the foreseeable future and we're looking at how AI is integrating more and more into our everyday life and emerging technologies are popping left and right? How does that apply to maybe our daily life, something that we should be aware of and be on the watch for, but also within the context of the event industry Street, something that you can draw some parallels
0: first of all the scary part was when your vacuum cleaner started uh going in there doing its own things right that's
2: <laughs> when it started cutting potatoes and looking in the fridge if i got anything left for yeah dinner. that's right that's
0: right <laughs> that uh, asking
2: okay. my dog what wants to eat for dinner
0: that's right that's right so anka but my voice comes okay so because i'm using the laptop speaker and so I, I can change yes. it yes. so it's can, fine i can okay. hear you. okay good yeah, what are the ways that there? Well, you had actually two themes going in there. But first of all, I don't think there's anything to be afraid of. There's really a lot of excitement, and you should just expose yourself to these tools and figure out what they're good for. And that's what they are—they're tools. They're easier to use than before. They're less intimidating than ever. And don't get thrown off by the names and the acronyms and LLMs and AIs. Like they're just tools. Like I said, these large language models, like ChatGPT or uh, Claude AI, which is a great one, and Sophia, they're there's a good number of this stuff. Experiment with all of them. Just play with them and challenge them. You'll learn a lot about yourself as well. And treat them as tools. You can, if you want, you can project your humanity on them. But there's nothing in there. There's no soul in
2: there. Somebody, just to interject really quick, was saying like, you know what? you got to talk nicely to these tools. Because you never know when AI is going to take <laughs> over the world. So you better teach it how to say thank you and please. And all the nice words. Because <laughs> it's going to remember. Remember that one time when you talked really nasty back
0: at me. Right now, actually, the challenge is to how to deal with those concerns. You know, the AI scientists are trying to focus to make these tools safer because I don't think, at least in the short run, the AI is any danger. But the danger is going to be the dangerous person equipped with the AI. Okay, that's where the danger lies. I think everybody recognized that in the scientific community. But the whole Terminator scenario, that's hard to predict. And I don't think so, because that becomes philosophical. And if you like, we could segue into that. If you go all the way back to all the futurists, basically, they, everybody kind of, ha- there's a consensus almost that human beings we are really evolutionary in the process of creating the next species. So that's really the bottom line. You know, we're like part of the evolutionary chain and we're giving birth to the next species. And in fact, I think the next species is what we're going to imbue it with. But it's part of the accelerating process of evolution. And what we can imbue it with is what we term humanity and love, which is, you know, kind of, it's our ideal because humanity is not prevalent all over the planet and love is not, is fortunately it's prevalent, but it's not dominant, right? Mm-hmm. We still have famine, we have war, we have greed and all the other ugliness, which is kind of almost necessary for the, the way we've evolved as human species. But I don't think there's anything to fear, at least in the short run. I may still be thinking in human linear terms and it may come faster, but I don't think the machines themselves would present a danger but equip yourself with these tools because they can amplify your talent they can amplify your abilities in ways you can't imagine I mean it's the was, uh,
2: having the conversation earlier today, actually, before the podcast with one of my friends where I was saying, you know what, all I need is a clone version of myself that when I sleep, they're still working and then they can take turns. <laughs> so it's like, I have two versions of me that I, they can constantly keep working. And one is taking a break. The other one is working. The other one, you know, it's like, so that there's no stop in the routine because all this sleep is wearing me out because I don't get enough time to do all the things that I want An- to do.
0: You're, Anka, you're not that far. We're not that far from that. In fact, we're not that far from that.
2: And I'm like, because, am I the only crazy person yeah. that thinks like that? And is it crazy to actually think of that?
0: No. Yeah, it is crazy, but it's the kind of inventive craziness that you're on the right track.
2: Or maybe someone that's kind of a workaholic, dealing with their own issues, that <laughs> should be dealing with. I mean, the
0: way you think about it, we do the same thing. Like, okay, so this is why we invented bicycle. Just think about it. This is actually a favorite example of Steve Jobs. I don't remember the stats about who's the fastest animal on the planet is a cheetah. Cheetah, it beats yes, humans yes. By, but a human and a bicycle beat anybody by just like amazing degree. And like, so that's really the capacity. And the bicycle is really an extension of humans in a
2: way. So basically like you, you can walk A to B, but, or you can bike it and get there faster. So right. that's what AI would technically right. help you do.
0: That's right. And what you were just envisioning is automation, but automation with a bit more intelligence, with a bit more human intelligence and a bit more accessibility where you don't need to have knowledge of all the colors of the wires under the hood to be able to tell it to go shop, buy and get me some apples. So right. You know what I mean? It's like you just say, get me some apples or right. find me a great restaurant or think of a great present for my mother and say, OK, I found you know, eight different flowers. I know she will love this one. It's like, oh, I don't know. The, the vase is not that pretty. Okay, how about these three models? On the screen, right? And when you start interacting with these machines, you're like, I can't believe we were dealing with all this. Actually, our kids will probably say that because the kids are already, my kids were already making fun of the stuff we were using. But right. it's uh, <laughs> it'll probably come faster than in our time. Where the, the, I was the, trying
2: the... to explain to my kids how, you know, back in my days, we didn't have all these channels on the TV. <laughs> like we had to go and push on this one black one box and the TVs were square. Where and they're this big, e big, right? And they're like, What? Like, what is that?
0: Yes. And you remember how excited we got when we first got remote?
2: Right, because you didn't have to get off your sofa to go and change the channel. And now you're literally having access to all these channels, non-stop programming. Well,
0: look, it's what's happening. is you're still bored. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. That's the other kind of a side effect. But you're sitting there and you're doing something or you're watching something. And then in between, some little Mm -hmm. short comes up and you find it interesting because it knows, it's learned about you, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, those are the algorithms that use AI. And yeah. they watch your behavior or I'm sure all your audiences have experienced that. You're sitting there talking to your friend and then you turn around and you type something on your computer and you Google search. It shows up already. It are already goes. listening to me? Like, are they listening to me? And they are. Yes, they are. They're not on listening. They're watching. They're recording. They're remembering. But they but just want to sell you stuff. Okay,
2: just so we come to some sort of a wrap because I mean we could definitely talk like it sounds like for hours <laughs> and we don't get anywhere close <laughs> to the end because there's a lot to be said about it's exciting stuff everything that you talked about it's another level of where we're going and I like the perspective opening up that perspective to a lot of the people that are listening that are maybe not there yet they're still trying to figure out how to prompt ChatGPT for that matter where we're talking about quite a few Years in advancements, where at the same time you're saying this is not really that advanced because we expected this to happen five years ago. And a lot of people are still trying to catch up with what's happened in the last nine months, right? Yeah. So things are obviously advancing at a high speed. Yet for many people, everybody's got a different perspective on how fast that is. Mm-hmm. Now, to bring him back to where we are today and just to wrap up somewhat everything that's been said with all the challenges, some of the threats, some of the things that, you know, this is the things that you should be doing if you. You want to be in staff, stay in step with technology that's happening, so you're not taken by complete surprise, or be a complete dinosaur and go extinct. How would you say that the synergy between AI and events is shaping the way we look at the future of businesses, the future of how business will evolve, how events will evolve, our experience as humans with some of the things that we interact? How will that happen and evolve? Yeah, well,
0: that's a very interesting question. And actually, thank you. We were talking about this earlier about brainstorming about this. When you talk about an event, you're talking about humans coming together for a particular purpose. Right. Right. And it's pre-organized and to make that successful and try to meet as many expectations as possible. So majority of people who show up, they feel like, okay, that's, you know, kind of like, and there's definitely a role for AI to play, but I believe it's a little more complex than other problems because it's going to require a multifaceted or multimodal way of gathering data because to really apply it, you need data, okay? So you start with the data that you already have, okay? all the stuff that you guys capture in your business,
2: right? Yeah, registration data, all the data, exactly. Exactly, all of that.
0: The more data you have about the people that they're participating, and that's one thing, and you can actually kind of connect that data. For example, if I was participating in one of your events, if you had my search data from Google... And connected to that now you could really do interesting stuff with that mm-hmm. right now
2: so, you know what you're interested in what kind of content to feature because these exactly. are your you, likes yeah. and dislikes you, right
0: you, you need more vectors okay you need more vectors mm-hmm. and what's going to happen in the future is what's going to happen we're going to have cameras in different places or you would even have these robot waiters that are moving around the participants and hanging around and serving with nerves but with cameras they're observing right? right but they're observing the human gestures they may be even hearing different keywords and they're kind of measuring the happiness or satisfaction, but they're capturing data. So I kind of foresee in the future where we're going to have to capture not only text data, just the classical form of data in terms of words and attributes and features, but human reactions and maybe even the type of murmur, the overall white noise that gets created in different clusters of these humans as they're gathering and networking, right? The The, cross-talk
2: and the the behind-the-scenes, you know? yeah, Yeah,
0: so you could basically say, well, this murmur actually sounds like... Like it's more congruent or more convergent. It sounds like they're all getting along or happy. And this one is in just more You're confused discreet, and they're frustrated. Or yeah. they're discreet, or there's too many silences in between, yeah. or there. So there's all kinds of data capturing that you could right. get interested in, kind of like, oh, yeah, send the stimulator to that group. You know, maybe a robot shows up that starts breaks the, the pole eye. Dancing, you know? something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you really can take this in all kinds of directions. And I know that sounds like futuristic and crazy, but we're not that. Far. A week ago, Tesla introduced Elon Musk, put this video up on Twitter, which is really crazy. It just blew everybody away. I'm still flabbergasted over what I watched. For the first time, self driving, because we did all these kinds of AI stuff, but still programming, all kinds of modeling. For the first time, they've captured all the videos of all the driving. There's thousands of hours of driving. And what they did, they showed this AI knew nothing about driving. They just showed it all the videos, saying, here, watch all these videos. Okay. Okay, now go drive. It just blew my mind. It was like everybody's flabbergasted. Now we can process videos like this to learn and drive, and you could just kind of extend that from there to what you could do with observing people. You know, of course, we can recognize people and their faces, but you know, and their gestures, but interactions between them, the different models. So you could, you know, exact that's one part. But the very basic piece is stick to your data, try to hold on to your data, collaborate, get partner up with other people, compile your data together, see if you can kind of extend your data and in, in other ways. So that would be my advice. But it's coming even AI is coming everywhere. And what we were doing, what actually object messaging and intelligent objects, Omeo for short. Mm-hmm. Omeo it's almost like sounds like Romeo. That what we're doing, AI isn't just sitting there as tools just scattered around. Okay. What we're doing actually we're with Omeo is a fabric, imagine, that is gonna absorb all of AI into itself and it's gonna be present in front of all humans wherever they are. Whenever you interact with a machine, it doesn't matter whatever point you are, the AI is there and it's extremely intelligent and it knows you. It knows you because you're an engineer. It knows you because you're a doctor. It knows you. And the AI that pops up, the, the, all the objects become intelligent. There's an x-ray that the technician takes of a mammogram, for example, and that x-ray is alive. The minute it's taken, it knows I was born. And it says, okay, I got to go examine myself against this other AI model because the AI model knows all the mammogram stuff. It just bounces itself against that, gets a report, reads it, understands it, and it goes, oh my God, I may be cancerous. Let me show up in front of Dr. Anka because Dr. Anka is my primary doctor who's for my patient. Boom, Anka, Anka, I'm here. I've got bad news for you. You got to see me. You got to see me. And by the way, Anka, you know what? Since you're a primary doctor, I found this specialist in South Africa who's the top specialist in this. And I've set up a conference call in two minutes and you're free right now. Let's do the conference call. Boom. You guys are talking to each other and guess who's sitting there listening and watching, remembering and understanding everything? The x-ray. The x-ray is intelligent because it understands natural language. And at the end, maybe you guys talk about something else, about your, you know, the best recipe you found, but the x-ray, I know that that doesn't belong to me. It is not That's
2: a, not relevant to me.
0: Yeah, but this is where we are. That technology is what we've mm-hmm. created. It's available today. It's a roadmap, it's a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. And this is what we need to kind of, it's the next revolution. We need to rewrite all of our software such that you don't have to go open up your get your computer and try to figure out which app to press. Just talk to it. Let's say talk to it. But about your broom moving around, I don't know, but we still got ways to go. (laughs)
2: this futuristic vision that you've just shared Masood I mean is indeed tantalizing, and it's quite a bit to take and chew on you know what I mean so before we wrap up I would love to change focus just for a moment and focus back to the human aspect of technology and bring our attention to something that I'm personally very passionate about and that has to do with the mental and physical well-being of us event professionals but also business owners and you as someone that's been working years on so many different exciting things. I'm curious, considering the demanding nature of your job, the tech and event industry is a very busy, fast-paced field to be in. How do you personally maintain your mental and physical well-being, ensuring that you're always at the top of your game so you can come up with those creative ideas and those new paradigm shifts?
0: Personally, actually, I've been doing intermittent fasting for about eight or nine years
2: interesting it's the best
0: thing I did and yeah. I also what
2: brought you to that change the paradigm change I, 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 even though it. I
0: was like uh, kind of a competitive soccer player I was diagnosed with being pre-diabetic and I didn't want to take the medicines that were like they had all these crazy side effects so I started researching this being an engineer and
2: research and I, I read,
0: is first thing you go yeah, as yeah as so I started <laughs> And fasting is actually not it's really, it's about, it's about cellular body repair at a cellular level. That's what mm-hmm. it's about. And I could tell you, it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. I recommend that to everyone. So every what's senior. the
2: process? Like break it down in a way that... What you I'm do sure.
0: is you try to figure out a window for your eating, right? It's like, it's typically you start with saying, like you start eating at whatever time you start eating, taking calories. Like I usually start at 12 and then you stop at eight o'clock in the evening. You know, and and you can shift that window. And so that's an eight hour window. And then suddenly I've squeezed that to six hours or five hours sometimes. You know, after so many years, your body, you realize because we've evolved that way, actually, our evolutionary process, it's so natural. It's Mm -hmm. difficult at first because we're used to constantly noshing and eating things. But after a month. Yeah. After a month, you easily adjust to this. Uh, That's one thing. And I do a lot of that's typical with uh, people like me. We do a lot of what's called body hacking. You know, we experiment with feeding our mitochondria. There's a ton of over-the-counter vitamins that you take. Of course, you got to do your research and exercise. And this is all common stuff. You know, you need to do the cardio at least. You don't need to do 10 hours a day, at least 10, 15 minutes. You got to do cardio and cold showers do right after warm showers I do about at least one sometimes two minutes how oh,
2: does that help you, like the cold showers because I mean there's definitely something to be said about that hot cold therapy a lot of professional athletes they do the cold bath you know like that's they, right that's right invest thousands of dollars in this cold bath tubs that they have in there I don't know like on the patio and it's all about putting your body through that like shock therapy in a way that's
0: right it's actually there's, there's a ton of study he's done on this and there is actually a dutch guy i'm trying to think of his name he's the kind of a phenomenon on this the iceman they call him but usually what it does it has amazing effect on your nervous system it still needs to be studied further but my own personal experience it's amazing from, you know, just the way it makes me feel on a daily basis. Does
2: it help with like, say, muscle soreness or just recovery, like fast recovery? Or what do you feel like is the first fact that you feel? Yeah,
0: I'm not an expert at that. It's like what I do when I was playing competitive soccer. I did uh, hot bath bubbles. Those helped. And obviously, i seen areas that are, uh, you have inflammation that actually reduces the inflammation. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of intuitive. But for me, just to keep my, on a daily basis, because I don't play competitive soccer, Anymore. Oh, I try to do at least 10, 15 minutes of cardio a day and I walk on a daily basis, probably about uh, average of 12 to 16,000 steps. Talking about, it, and I fast. Though. Yeah,
2: definitely like 18,000 steps by 2 p.m. here. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, in, 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 to keep your mental sharpness, I mean, that's like, you know, and I, I've been trying to get better with sleep. That's where I kind of fall behind because I'm a, That's
2: why I need my clone. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm a Dracula. <laughs>
2: Maybe that's why I struggle.
0: Who knows? Like we don't yeah. sleep much. <laughs> yeah, but, but a lot of studies have shown that, you know, having regular sleep and being very attentive to the way you sleep and, you know, lights and everything and not having exposure to white light. There's lots of studies and there are lots of podcasts that cover this stuff. And I, and I watch and listen to a lot of these over the years and I've adopted the best methods. And I find that when I really am disciplined about it, I'm the sharpest in terms of my focus right. and my happiness overall.
2: Absolutely. Well, Masood, you definitely shared quite a bit of insights, not just in AI, but in brainstorming in health and mental health and all of these applications that within the software industry, tech industry are not just enlightening, but inspiring to what's to come. There's definitely a lot of potential to the event industry, even though we haven't necessarily dived into that per se, but like anything that has to do with tech, tech has revolutionized the event industry and in many ways, especially over the pandemic, and we're still grappling with how we're going to continue, you know, to ride this wave. Now, I'm sure that our listeners definitely super interested to hear more about the things that you're working on. So, where can they connect with you and explore more about some of the groundbreaking work they were on? Sure, if they
0: if they're curious and they want to kind of learn more, they can go to www. and it's O M A D E U S. And they can even sign up for a webinar or see a free demo. We have actually, based on this model, all the applications need to be recreated using this Omeo model. But we basically created an application as a product. We had to figure out all these engineering problems. You know, one thing is to have an idea and the other is to really build a product based on this. So you have to really solve a lot of problems. And it took us almost four years to get there. And uh, we've created a project management, collaboration, documentation, communication, and it has to be all those. And an AI, because it's all merged together. It's composed of all these intelligent objects that can manage technical projects for you. And you can see a demo and the AI is there at every point of the interaction. It knows what's happening. It reports things to stakeholders. And actually, we were talking about the events. Events are really project management, essentially, Right. right. So maybe that, that that would be the next because we focus on building a project management tool for technology companies maybe another company will use this model and build a project management for event if somebody's exactly. listening yep. and their technical because it would be a great market because definitely to have an intelligent assistant they can handle all your projects yeah. That you don't have to go figure out where to go, and it'll come and tell you what's happening. That they, they I think, just... there's
2: one model right now that somebody came up from the event industry. I think it's stova or something else. It's called, but I know it starts with S. PCMA put it out there, and it's as you just mentioned, it's built on that idea. I don't think it's anywhere as intuitive yet as you know we're hoping to have it be. But that idea that you just mentioned, that is definitely super relevant to a lot of project managers within the event industry. Of yeah. How they can applicable use AI in ways that support their events.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, I'll leave this last analogy with your audience so that they can think of it this way. Intelligent systems are made up of intelligent components, okay? And evolution has already demonstrated it everywhere. You take a human body. There's not a little file folder in the back of my brain that's keeping track of information about my liver cells. My liver cells are independent, they're intelligent. They are intelligent living beings. They're complex machines. They know how to communicate with their neighbors. They know their job. They know their stakeholders and they function. And the collection of those intelligent cells, they make a liver. And that liver is like a super intelligent component. And it knows what it's supposed to do. It is connected to the rest of the system with veins and arteries and nervous systems. And these components are connected together, the kidney and the heart. And it's connected actually and coordinated by another intelligent super component called your brain, which basically watches and coordinates all this stuff. And it's really the entire system is distributive intelligence. And that's the inspiration for the object messaging and intelligent objects. This is how we need to build our software. But once you do that, the entire machine. Imagine each software is made up of intelligent components. And these intelligent components are sitting, super systems are sitting together on your desktop and your operating system is this intelligent brain coordinating all these actions. And you, a human, just sit there and you act like a human. You don't need to figure out where to store this file or where to click and book that. You just talk to the machine, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. And it understands you.
2: That is like productivity at the next level.
0: That's right. That's right. But we're there. We're already there. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We're there. We're here.
2: This was a very fascinating conversation. I'm so happy that we got to sit and talk about it and brainstorm. And, you know, you basically open our minds to a world that is, like you said, it's here. It's happening. We might just not all be aware of it. So I just want to thank you for joining us on podcast and for sharing all this knowledge and insights with us. And for everyone that's been tuning in all the way till the end thank you so much for your continued support do stay in touch with us don't forget to subscribe to stay updated with all the future episodes that are coming out and do connect with Masood I know Masood you're also on LinkedIn I might have that on the episode notes but the website is also the place to go and check out feel free to
0: send me any questions on LinkedIn just send me a message and I'll be more than happy and I'm also on Twitter with the same name so you can send me messages and I'll be more than happy to answer your questions
2: I love that. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Until next time, keep pushing boundaries, keep innovating, and above all, keep crafting unforgettable event experiences that leave a lasting legacy. Stay curious, inspired, and eventful. And this is your host, Anka platon signing off. Thank you, Masood.
0: Thank you, Anka, for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about three fan event services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.